Philippians chapter 4, we're going to look at the idea of moderation. And the question is, uh, am I known for moderation? All right, Philippians chapter 4, we'll read verses 1 through 5. Philippians 4, verses 1 through 5. And he says there, chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, my dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Yodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, Help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Notice there, verse 5, that's what we're going to look at. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And when I think about this verse, it makes me think about uh, favorite vacation spots that people might have. And some of you maybe are planning your summer vacation, uh, perhaps. And for us that live in Arizona, we're like pretty much anywhere out of the valley will work. <laughs> you know, I just want to get out of this oven by the middle of July, you know. And some of the most popular, world's most popular vacation spots, most desirable vacation destinations, I'll give you an example of a few of them. Uh, South Island, New Zealand, and New Zealand's a beautiful place. Uh, there's South Island's a very popular place, apparently a lot of majestic landscapes, hiking trails, boating. I've seen pictures of that, it's beautiful. Uh, Paris, France is a popular destination, <clears throat> of course. Uh, call it the City of Light, uh, the Eiffel Tower, uh, cobblestone streets, nice little cafes, romantic settings, different things like that there in Paris. Uh, Bora Bora, which is a, a small French Polynesian island. When I read about this, I thought, ooh, I'd like to be here. And uh, it's one of the most beautiful islands in the world, they say. Got a tropical, tropical beauty, of course, lush jungle, uh, a lagoon to swim in. Yeah, that sounds attractive. And then, of course, Maui, uh, one of, uh, in Hawaii there, one of the islands of Hawaii, Maui. Uh, they have beautiful beaches and snorkeling, and uh, there's a unique trails they can, you can hike. Some of you have probably been to Hawaii. Uh, I didn't go to Maui. I've been to Oahu. Uh, but anyways, Maui's a very attractive place. Got waterfalls there. Um, and then, of course, closer to us, you know, five, six hours away, you get to San Diego. A lot of people like going to San Diego. It's a very... Um, pleasant place. It's very expensive to live, of course. Uh, my wife and I try to get there every couple years and take off. And there's a place called Torrey Pines off the beach, and you can hike around. And there's like a natural kind of glider launching pad thing. These guys had these parasails. Were they called parasails? And they were literally running off of a cliff. But but it was it, the cliff was there was constant wind lifting them up, and they just go like that. And they're flying around the coastline, running parallel to the coastline. Beautiful spot to go to. And, of course, you know, there's a zoo there and, and SeaWorld and all that. And then Orlando, Florida, of course, you get to go to Disney. Or maybe you don't want to. I don't know how you're feeling about that, you know. But it was, you know, it's still a good place to go, Orlando and everything. But let me just tell you about what I'm talking about here. These guys are competing with me over here. This is crazy. I'll talk to Brother Adam about that. It's, it's louder than your class, Rusty. I don't know what the deal is there. 
So anyways, hey, listen, this is what I'm trying to say. So, some, okay, some of the most popular places in the world to go uh, on a vacation. Uh, the reason why they're so well known, one of the biggest factors of why they're so well known and desirable is the moderate climate. That's the biggest thing. I know there's other things, there's sites and everything like, but just to get in a place that's not extremely cold or extremely hot, like the surface of the sun, I mean the valley of the sun, um, to get away from the, and come to a moderate place, San Diego. Oh, of course, people come here during the wintertime and they want to golf and everything and because and, it's moderate during the winter. Take off to, to one of these islands that's moderate year-round. You know, like I think the average temperature for some of these places especially these island places, it's like 77.7 degrees year-round. That sounds good. Sounds almost like your air conditioning setting, right, for some of you. Um, but it's attractive because it's known for moderate climate, and it's a pleasant weather. So also here, Paul's speaking of that same thing. People tend to like moderate climates and not enjoy extreme. Most people don't enjoy extreme temperatures, except maybe temporarily when they're working out, right? So also, most people enjoy moderate, moderately uh, characterized people. Christians, in particular, who are characterized with a good temperament. Not too much this, not too much that, but have moderation. The word moderation here, Paul, look what it says. Paul says, let your moderation be known unto all men. Let it be known. Moderation means between the extremes. It's sometimes translated gentle, sometimes translated patient. It's likened to how Jesus is. Um, in this context here, we read the verses about a conflict. A conflict that was between Yodius, a couple ladies, Yodius and Syntyche. There was kind of a division there. One probably insisted on her rights, and the other wouldn't yield hers. And you have one, and you have Yodius and Syntyche. And there's some kind of tension here. And again, apparently there was no moral sin at stake, and there's no doctrinal issue at stake, else Paul would have called it out and fixed it. So it was a non-moral, non-doctrinal issue. And so Paul, being a moderator, says, ladies, he calls them out, be of the same mind, and he calls out some people in the church, and we don't even know what the exact issue was. But he moderates it, and he calls each lady, I believe what he's saying basically, and I think this is maybe going along with the text here, to each lady to moderate their hard-nosed position, their pride or their preference, to yield to show consideration, to show gentleness versus being a demanding person and have your way by, at all costs. He says, let this cooperative spirit, this pleasant temperament, this pleasant temperature in your attitudes be known unto all men. What are you known for? What are you known for? Some of us are known, you're known be, for, to be, for being a such and such fan of such and such sport. Some people, when the first thing you think of, you think, oh, he's a 
He's a Cowboys fan or whatever. He's a Cardinals fan. <clears throat> um, what is one of the first things people think of when they think of you? What are you known for? I don't, I can't, I'm not here to answer it. Ask yourself, what am I known for? What is our, what is our church known for? Not by way of the outside description, but the inside temperature of our attitude. What are we known for? Maybe you could ask somebody. Maybe somebody in here. One thing we want to be known for is to have a, a balance. To have a, uh, a calm, gentle demeanor. To be sensible people. Moderation. We want to be known for moderation, Mike. Paul says, let your moderation be known. Um, some people are known to be contentious. It's not that contention isn't an aspect of your life that you have to engage in sometimes. But some people are known to be contentious. Some people are known to be hard-headed, to be proud. Some are known on the other side to be, you know, versus hard-headed, proud. Some people are known to be a pushover <laughs> or to be a chameleon and just change with whatever you are and agree with everything. No, no, that's not moderation. That's, you know, extreme one ex dumb extreme thing after another. Um, Charles Spurgeon, I was reading about, he has a kind of a, he wrote a little book called John Plowman's Plow Something. And he has a talk on this one verse. It's very interesting. And he's basically the pastors. And he's talking about the pastor, all the things about a pastor and his dress and, and different things like that. And, he, and it's very insightful. And he says, um, one of the things he says is that, uh, you know, a man needs to have a spine or else he can't hold his head up. But he has to, the spine has to bend too, or he'll be, hit a beam. You know, that's how it is in life. You, you can't, like, I just never change, I never compromise, I never do anything except what I'm supposed to do. Well, then you're going to hit your head on a lot of stuff. But at the same time, you can't be spineless. And people will walk all over you and, and use you for all kinds of things. So it's about being moderate, moderate. You know, people, there's a, there's a reason why there's not very many people that live in Barrow, Alaska, where the average high is negative three. It might sound good for one day in the middle of July. Maybe I'll visit there, but, you know, for us. The, the average temperature is negative three. Not very many people live there. Nor do many people, very many people live in Death Valley, you know, where the average is common to be 100, above 120. I think there's 300 people that live there year-round in Death Valley, and probably 10 of them are tourists something, you know, and the other don't ever come out. There's not very many people that live in Siberia, Russia, except some prisoners, right? And the ground is frozen. What do they call it? Tundra? Frozen ground? I can't imagine ground freezing. Dirt. Frozen dirt. Nor is there very many people that live in the Sahara Desert. You know, a vast, vast, largest desert in the world. I don't know, probably a third the size of the United States. I don't know, it's huge. There's a reason why not very many people, few people live there or will ever live there. It's because un extremes are not desirable, and they're not desirable in people. Extreme anger, or extreme just a pushover. Extremely proud. Extreme, you know, nobody likes extremes. We appreciate moderate people. Abraham Lincoln, I read about him. He used to be a lawyer. He was a lawyer before he was, became president. And I read that some guy, some wealthy guy came up to him and said, he was really upset, this guy. Well, I say wealthy for that day. And um, 
and again, you got to scale down here, our brains from inflation down to their proportion of money. Uh, the guy was, this, this man was upset, came to Abraham Lincoln, says, there's a guy I want to sue. I want to get him. He owes me $2.50. He owes me $2.50. I want to sue him. The guy that he wanted to, that owed him $2.50, it was a debt or something, controversial debt, was poor. The wealthy man says, I'm going to get him. And he's not paying me. Help me. He want to and, uh, retain you as my lawyer to help me get this guy. And Abraham Lincoln kind of hesitated. Uh, then he got an idea. He goes, you know what? I'll do it. You give me a $10 fee. And we'll get it. He's like, all right. Gave him 10 bucks right away. Abraham Lincoln went over to the guy and he said, hey, and the rich man didn't know this. He went over to the guy and he said, um, I'll give you five bucks if you pay this guy the 250 you owe him. The guy's like, all right. Took the five bucks, broke it, of course. Went over to the wealthy man, paid him his 250. And everybody was happy. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln made five bucks. The poor guy actually made, got out of debt and made 250. And the wealthy guy got his debt paid, his rights fulfilled, cost him a little bit, but he was happy. He moderated that thing, you know. It was an interesting little, little uh, anecdote that I read about. So let's talk about our country a little bit, and we'll get into some particular points. I'm just trying to chat with us. Moderation, when Paul's saying it, he's talking to a church. He's in the context of trying to help two ladies trying to call out those two ladies themselves. He's saying that it should be a character quality that people know about us. So it means to be mild, to be gentle, to be patient, to be temperate, to be sensible, to keep between extremes. Our nation, let's talk about our nation for a minute. Our country, our culture is given to extremes, isn't it? Well, think about that. Our culture is given to extremes. An excess, excess drink, excess food, you know, um, indulgence in food, excess in one way or another of dressing, you know, uh, excess immodesty or excess fanciness just to show off, excess entertainment. We can't ever get away from it. Excessive and unnecessary language, Ex immoderate language, immoderate entertainment, immoderate treatment of those we disagree with. You know, it's kind of crazy on, you know, the kind of the two political sides, Republican, Democrat. Sometimes we should, and most of us probably are conservative or Republican type. Whatever you are, remember you're a Christian first, okay? Then you're a whatever those other things are. But sometimes you get loudmouth, mean Republicans who might claim to be a Christian. And then you have Democrats, tolerant, open-minded Democrats who, who say, burn them, kill them, to some guy that's getting confirmed for the Supreme Court. You know, they, you get these weird extremes of people. And we should be known not to change your position, but at least have a, a moderate disposition. I think that's what Paul's talking about. Um, uh, let The world lacks moderation, but sometimes Christians lack moderation. Sometimes we can exhibit excess hostility to those who are just a little bit different than us. We can sometimes exhibit cruel, malicious language on our online blogs or even from pulpits. And I know I'm the, the main guy that's a preacher here, but it's not funny to watch preachers who are really malicious and, and just cruel. 
You want to have, go get online and hear your preaching to guys that are strong and right and good. But if they become just a big jerk, turn them off. It'll blend, it'll, it'll affect you. It will affect you. And you'll, you'll start acting like a big jerk and it won't help your marriage. You know, I'm just saying, sometimes we're prone to being immoderate in our language, in our attitude. Sometimes we'll tar and feather those who are just a little bit different than us. That's unrelated to gospel things. Even, even kind of lifestyle choices that Christians choose. We've got to be careful even on our, you know, you can choose whatever you want, but be careful on how kind of you exhibit yourself. There's, there tends to be in our, the, kind of the TBN charismatic crowd in our country, um, kind of this lavish, exuberant lifestyle that they have and they embrace. And even in kind of the, the Hillsong group, there's a lot of controversy with this, the whole Hillsong thing right now. And, um, and, the, and you look into it, you're just like, man, it's just a lot of immoderate practices, you know? Look, I, 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 don't, I, I want uh, Christianity, no matter if it's on my camp or not, to have the best testimony to a lost world, whether it's my camp or not. And immoderate, immoderation messes everything up. How many people say, I'm not going to listen to that guy. He just walks around. He's got this bling, bling lifestyle, and he's got $500 shoes. That throws people off. You have a right to buy $500 shoes or whatever. But you know, if you want to be known to men, you gotta, people need to know that you're, you're toned down. Maybe you're a little bit like them. Sometimes in our Christian circles, we're gluttonous. Now, I'm, I've seen, I don't see it so much in our, in our church, but I see it sometimes in different Christian circles, sometimes Baptist circles. You're gluttonous. You brag about how much you eat. You brag about how, how big you're getting, you know? That's not good. Sometimes we're not moderate in our temperament. We can only endure a few, a few moments of, dis, of discomfort or disagreement with somebody before coming unglued. But the bottom line here in this, this whole thing here, kind of in a nutshell, God's Word is commanding us, and in other places we'll look at, to lead a life characterized by balance. How many of you, how many of you hear me today? Say amen. All right. All right, good. God's tell, showing us to lead a life that's characterized by balance. Not given to extremes, but marked by regulated passions. I expect the world to go unregulated in their passions, right? I do. It's not good. I'm not going to approve of it. But God wants us to regulate ourselves. God expects us to be reasonable and forbearing. That's the whole tone of this. Let your moderation be known. Let it be known that you can be reasoned with. That you can be negotiated with. Doesn't mean you give up everything. Let it be known, your moderation. That's what he's saying. The Lord is at hand. It's like God's nearby. The Lord Jesus is near. We'll talk about that in a minute. What, is they, what do they call it? Um, on the front of the motor, Brother, Brother Derek, the harmonic balance. On the older, they probably don't even have those anymore, really. A lot of the older motors, they have a big, heavy, like a wheel on the front of the motor on the outside. It serves a couple purposes to help for the timing, to set the timing of your uh, distributor and things like that. But it also helps the it helps the motor actually stay in balance because you got you got controlled explosions going on constantly inside of a case of metal. And they need to have a, the harmonic balance kind of keep it in balance. And that's what we need to be in this world. 
to be known for moderation. So let's, let me give you some points here. I've got several points. The, most, the first point is the most important point. The other ones, maybe go a little quicker. Here's the first most important point is we're talking about moderation. We're talking about a person that's um, patient, gentle, approachable. Number one, this is how Jesus was. This is Jesus. In fact, anything good that we want to be, it basically needs it's whatever Jesus is, you know, otherwise it's just rules. Okay, your moderation. Well, how is Jesus? The Bible says you can follow me to a couple verses. Um, let's look in Matthew 11, 29. What does it say of Jesus? Well, he calls himself this, and he was known to be this. Matthew eleven twenty nine. He was known to have this temperament. He says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, he says, I have a weight. It's easy, it's light. And my, my temperament is meek and lowly in heart. Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ was approachable and meek. Um, people, isn't that it? Now think about the life of Jesus. Who approached Jesus? Everybody. Little babies came up to him. Little kids, mothers with babies. like, And then the worst sinners ate with him. Not that he approved of it. They got saved, many of them. Everybody, he was approachable. Wow. Wow, the Lord Jesus is this, this moderate personality. I like what Paul says. Go to 2 Corinthians 10.1. 2 Corinthians 10.1. Again, this is a person. We can have all sorts of personality descriptions to ourselves, and we're not all clones. We'd be bore, it'd be boring if we we're all exactly the same, but there needs to be this common quality here of moderation. 2 Corinthians 10.1, Paul references what Jesus is like, and he's saying, I'm trying to copy it. 2 Corinthians 10.1, Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And then he refers to himself, who am presence, base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. And he goes on to appeal to them about something. The point is, he refers to Jesus. He says, I want to be like Jesus, meek and gentle. Jesus was meek and gentle, but yet look what happened. He, could, he preached strongly. He was true. He had, he had men of men following him. He was a man among men, and he had men following him, and everybody else, all, all the other sorts. He, it wasn't like he was a pushover, but he was balanced. Jesus was one of moderation. One of moderation. Even in his, his lifestyle. You know, he, he, I don't think he was just, he definitely wasn't, I mean, he made himself poor comparatively to what he came out of in heaven. But he was a common man. Butter and honey shall he eat, it says. Eat common food. Even the whole, this is a little controversial, but I think he was even, 
he wouldn't have been. I think he was even moderation in what he cared about with what other people, what he did for other people in drinking. You know, I keep, I've been thinking re- recently, is this resurgence of alcohol in Christian circles, of drinking alcohol? And, um, and it's always said, well, Jesus turned water to wine, Jesus turned water to wine. And I started looking at that passage and I'm thinking, in John chapter 2, if you read the story of the whole scenario when Jesus turned water to wine, he went to a wedding. They had a lot of wine. Wine can mean just juice, or it can mean something strong, or it could mean something very hardly fermented. But what happened was at the end of, towards the end of the day when men have well drunk, they came and said they have no wine. And Jesus did this miracle, his first miracle in Cana of Galilee. He commanded these servants to fill these pots with water. They filled them. They brought them over. They poured out like, wow, it's wine. And everybody's like, that's amazing. And they are happy to drink it. And the governor of the feast says, this is, this is good. This isn't bad stuff. And the governor of the feast says, you know, everybody else that has a wedding at, towards the end when men have well drunk, what they usually do is they bring out the junky stuff because everybody's sloshed. And they finish them off. So this must have been the end of the wedding. And Jesus produced something that was different and good. And according to Habakkuk, which says there's a woe on somebody who makes someone drunk, whatever Jesus gave them was either non-alcoholic or hardly at all. It could not have been the wine we know. The wine we know would have finished him off and he would have made them drunk against the woe in Habakkuk at the end of the day. That was the end of a feast. Even Jesus practiced moderation in this drink thing. He was a person of moderation. Let your moderation. So let's look at some other things. Number two, we should practice it in our eating and drinking. Like, Pastor Henry, I'm an American. Don't you tell me what to eat or drink. I know, but you're a Christian, so God can tell you then. All right, let's look in Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. And here, see, this was hard. Josh graduated, and on Friday, we went over to Miss Margie's and Kevin's, and they had a bunch of pizza. And I was like, man, I want to indulge in more pizza, but I kept thinking of my Bible message here today. It's like, that borrows pizza. It's good. So... You know, here, look what it says. <laughs> Proverbs 23, 1 and 2. When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what's before thee, because he's watching you. You get set before some big shot, you're watching him, but he's watching you, and put a knife to thy throat, verse 2, if thou be a man given to appetite. Don't just go digging in. Go slow here. Go slow on what you're eating. Moderate your eating. Proverbs 23, 2. Put a knife to thy throat, thou be a man given to appetite. Spurgeon said, don't dig your grave with your fork and spoon. Proverbs 25, 16. Look at Proverbs 25, 16. How about sweet stuff? Oh, yeah. And sometimes, occasionally, my kids are like, Dad, I got a bad stomach ache. I'm like, what'd you eat? All those gummy bears, huh? Yeah. Sorry, bud. Hast thou found honey? Chapter 25, verse 16, eat so much as is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and vomit it. Ooh, yucky. 
I'm going to vomit the honey up. Yeah, just eat a little bit then at a time. Put it in your tea, put it on your whatever, your cereal. Be known for moderation in our eating and drinking. Number two, or number three, be, we need to be known, for, we need to let our moderation be known just in our general attitude. And I've kind of been speaking about that already. In our attitude. My attitude's reasonable. I know how to negotiate with people. Follow me to James 3. Follow me to James chapter 3. Again, what are we talking about? Moderation practiced in my attitude. Does it feel like I'm approachable? Easy being treated. James 3, verse 17. James 3, 17. The wisdom that's from above is first pure. That's first pure. Then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. That sounds like a moderate person. Full of mercy and good fruits without, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Notice again, easy to be entreated. Easy to be entreated. Um, and how I negotiate and how I reason. Galatians 5.23 says, the fruit of the Spirit is temperance. Tempered person. So, moderation needs to be known in my attitude and my eating and drinking. Number four, it needs to be known in, the, in my use of time with others. We can tend to just be excessive in what we spend our time on. And some of us, we have that, the time things on our phones, right? You know, uh, well, there's screen time and there's other things that set an alarm to say, hey, you've, you've been on there 27 hours today, you know. <laughs> you've been on there for uh, a long time on your whatever, your game, and, and it, hey, you're out of balance. Philippians 4, 5. No. Anyways, use of time. We can be excessive. Look, in, look, here's an example. Proverbs, ready? Proverbs 25. Back to the middle of the Bible, moving you around. Proverbs 25. So you have a friend, you have a neighbor you really like. Man, this guy's cool. I love being with this guy. Well, here's what it says in Proverbs 25, 17. Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee and so hate thee. Yeah, he used to like you. But if you're there all day and eating his snacks and constantly mooching off of his sports channel, he's not going to like you that much anymore. You've got to temper that time with other people. Withdraw thy foot. That's number four. Number five, how about uh, the use of money and uh, the engaging in different pleasures? We need to be known for, for moderating our use of our money and in, in our, moderating our how we indulge in pleasures. 1 Corinthians 9.25, I'm moving you around. I want you to know that the Bible says other things that relate to this command of Paul. 1 Corinthians 9.25. Paul's talking about himself as a runner, as a fighter, as one who's striving in competition. 1 Corinthians 9.25, Every man that striveth for the mastery, that means he's striving to, to win this competition, is what? Temperate in all things. An athlete has to temper everything, not just in the competition, not just before the competition, but every, he has to temper his sleep, it's not too much, not too little. He has to temper his diet, not too much, not too little. The t how much sugar or any at all, not too much, not too little. 
He has to temper um, his, when he engages in the sport, especially if you're running, right? Um, <laughs> pace yourself is what the coaches say, right? When you run a longer distance, pace yourself, pace yourself. You're tempering. If you want to win something, you got to stay balanced and not be the tortoise or the, the hare in the tortoise and hare story. And so, um, so in my use of money, I've got to temper myself, have a budget. You should have a budget. What is your budget? That's something that keep you tempered. Everything needs to be regulated in life, right? We're regulating this air conditioner right now. I hope it's to wear what most of us need. Uh, it has a thermostat. We regulate electricity that's coming into this building. You know, we regulate um, the amount of light that we're letting come in. We got these uh, shades and everything. I didn't want something wide open. I didn't want something totally closed. We're regulating just a little bit that glows through. Everything needs to be regulated. Your, your attitude, and in this point, your money. Otherwise, money speaks. It says, bye, unless you tell it what to do. And it has wings, as the proverb says. It flies away unless you clip its wings, right? And so we have to be moderate in our use of money and pleasure and so on. I even like even how you give to people. Look at, look at the middle of the Bible there, moving around again. Psalm 112, verse 5. Here's a man who's a generous man. Um, and even generosity needs to be moderated. Psalm 112. Look at what it says. Verse 5. Psalm 112, verse 5. A good man showeth favor, he and he lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. A good man knows how to lend, but he has a budget on his lending. And he knows how to guide his affairs with discretion. It's not that he doesn't give anything to the poor. It's not that he gives it all to the poor, unless the Lord made that abundantly clear. He guides his affairs with discretion. And even the poor that he gives to, he's trying to see how, what might, what, what, how this may benefit them. Instead of, as they say, give a drunk a drink. That doesn't help them. Or give a, a drug addict more drugs. You give with discretion and you moderate the amount. This is the Bible here. We want to avoid being the extremist in the sense of character as a Christian. Num so that's number five. Number six, this is an interesting one. We should want to moderate ourselves even in how we dress and in our apparel. And I don't see this as a common problem among our church family, but, and I'm not telling anybody specifically how to dress. But look at this country. Look at the variety of weird stuff that people do and the dress that they have and don't have. It's weird and it's embarrassing. And we need to moderate ourselves. Like, look, I'm going to put on enough clothes. And you know what you should do? You should dress for the, whatever the occasion is, dress for the occasion, unless it's compromising morals. You know, uh, even, even this is probably, you know, I don't necessarily have to have a tie, but I try to be decent. And um, be appropriate. The Bible talks about modest apparel, 1 Timothy 2, 9, 1 Peter 3, 3. You know, oh, by the way, back to that word moderation. It's... They, got a, they, they come from the same parent Latin root word, modus. Modest and moderation. They come from the same word, the Latin word, which means to measure. Measure it out. Be measured. Modus. That's what it means. 
So when somebody says they're modest, it's not that they're to, it's not it's not the idea of like, oh, you're just completely covered in all I see is a hole in your eyes because you're from the Taliban, you know, and you got it's not that. It means you're you're measured, you're appropriate. You're not overly naked or at all, and you're not just extremely fancy. That is, you can be extremely fancy and be immodest. It's like overdone in the sense. Christians need to be known for moderation. That's what the Bible says. There's a lot of vanity that we live among in our in our culture. I was sitting there in Denny's the other day, my wife and I, and they have that there's a television screen there, and I, I like try not to get where the television screen is so I can see my wife, you know. But they had this, it was the a show, and I'm like, this is dumb. Don't look over there. It was the Wendy show or something. And it was like everything is just so vain and fancy. And just, these girls, I don't even know what they're saying, but you could just, just like, <laughs> the way they talked, and it's like they're just so, like, it makes me sick, and I can't hear anything they're saying. And then what they're, what they're wearing, I'm like, that is really dumb. What are they wearing that for, you know? And everything's just out there and weird or excessive. And, and, and then, but if we as Christians are buried in stuff like that, and I don't know, Wendy, she might be a fine lady, I'm not sure. But uh, if we bury our minds in stuff like that, we'll tend to be immoderate in our choices. So anyways, let's look at this here some more. Uh, all right, so in dress. And then number seven, in my language toward others. I need to watch my language. Go to First, go to Titus. Titus is back in the New Testament. Uh, and let's, after 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, then Titus, small book there, before Philemon in Hebrews, Titus chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Paul is talking to a pastor, and he's telling the pastor what to tell the people. Ready? Titus 3, verse 1 and 2. Put them in mind. You tell the people to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. Verse 2. To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing meekness unto all men. For we sometimes were foolish and disobedient, but God's kindness came into the picture, he says and saved us. The point is, speak evil of no man. That is, you know, cursing leaders. Cursing in the sense, or or, or threatening, like, I'm going to kill you. Or death to the Democrat, or whatever. Or death to the Republicans. Seems like you hear that a lot. But that's not Christian. That's not. Speak evil of no man. Um, You used to be that way, he said rancorous, malicious, hateful, but the kindness of God and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared, came right into the picture. Not by works of righteousness, which you have done, but according to His mercy, He saved your soul and washed you by the renewing, by regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost. All right, so I need to think about kind of a key word is a measured response. You know, have you ever gotten, have you ever gotten irritated by a fly? I get irritated by a fly. You know, and you go like this, like, I can't get them. And it's like, you just want to do something extreme. Like, give me a bomb. You know, that's not going to help. You're like, fly away before the bomb goes off. You know, we want to have these in-measured responses to something that's just a fly. You know, and sometimes we get that in life. We have a kind of a, 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 an immoderate response to something that's just this big. And we got to watch it. And then last of all, it says the Lord is at hand. So 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. Let your moderation, let it be known that you are moderate. By the way, don't confuse this with politics. I know for pretty much if you're a Christian, you're going to forever on your positions be thought of as an extreme right-winger. If you just are a common-sense person that believes in you know, family and don't kill babies in the womb and let's just be reasonable in our taxes, you're going to be an extremist by CNN. You're going to be looked at as that way. So I'm not talking about moderate things that are, have moral and doctrinal implications. I'm not talking about that. I'm mainly talking about your attitude and your personality. That's what we got to be. And then he says what? For the Lord is at hand. That could be referring to both what's said there and what's said afterwards, which he talks about prayer, which I look forward to getting into. The Lord is at hand. That means he's right here by us. Is not the Lord. It's almost like when there's somebody who's... Do you ever have it where... I explain this. Sometimes when you feel out of sorts and maybe imbalanced, it helps when somebody's just near. That's more of a composed person. Don't you think that's true? You know? Sometimes kids, you know, they get worked up with one thing or the other. They're too, really sad or really angry or, you know, whatever, or, or really confused. And if the mom or the dad are just right there at hand, it helps them to, to tone down a little bit. Well, in our life, remember, we know that the Lord is one of moderation, one of gentleness, and one of balance, and He's right with us. So that kind of helps me in my worked up times that the Lord is here. You know that Jesus is like that. So here's a question, and we're pretty much done. What? Uh, are you known for? What are you known for? People, you know, um, has anybody ever been to Bora Bora? All right. I think there's some been to Tahiti. Anybody been to Hawaii? Yeah. Yeah. You, anybody want to go there again? For free. Not, not that I'm saying I'm paying for it, but it'd be nice to go there again for free. So I want to be there, you know. Um, we had an opportunity to go again. We weren't able to go again, but we had an offer to go again recently. But it's, it's nice because you got the, I've told you this before, you, we literally in one day went from a rainforest seeing a waterfall with, and then it's light rain. It's just like a mist from that rainforest down to, to an area that seemed a little bit even like desert on the west end of uh, Oahu. Not extreme desert not at all like this but a little more dry and it was just neat seeing both sides of that perfect temperature my wife and I we went there over 10 years ago I got a I think I told you the story we we had a um, we rented a jeep I don't even know if we meant to rent that somehow we got a jeep and and then it was supposed to be a convertible jeep but the the top was weird and it was like it had a it wouldn't latch right and we were driving around the island and and it was like air was coming in. It was just weird. So I, I went to turn it in. And I said, look, I, this, I don't know what's wrong with this thing. I, um, I can't get the top to work right. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry about that. He goes, well, we got a, you know, a couple cars. You can, we can give you a different one instead. And he's like, there's this, uh, there's this Oldsmobile right here. Or you could do, or, or you, could do this, you could do this convertible Mustang right here. I'm like, ah, oh, that's it. I'll take that like Convertible Mustang. Yeah, we're good. Let's do that. And... Uh, so we did that, man, had that top down the whole time. That was nice. 
That was nice. And I, and I had the best tan for a week, you know. <laughs> that was a nice tan. We're driving around, my wife and I. This is fun, you know. I think that was only the last, maybe the last three days of being there. It was fun. But it's like you want to be at a place that's that, that it, was, it was just weird having, I'm right in the, I'm, the sun is shining on me in June nonstop and I'm not shading myself. This is amazing. I could never do this in Arizona without getting cancer in 10 years, you know. And so I want, you know, you want to be back. You want to do that. And so people want to, so as, as it relates to personalities, as it relates to what characterizes a church, people, just like you want to go back to a nice place, a vacation that has moderate temperature, people are more likely to come back here because of that in spirit and attitude that we have. And we're more like Jesus. Jesus moderated the great, greatest moderation was between perfect God and terribly sinful men. That's the greatest moderation. Came to man, became a man, but wasn't sinful. And moderated on the cross for us something we couldn't deal with. And that is the guilt of our sin. And putting our faith in Him is what gives us eternal life.